You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. News team. Assemble. And bigger than ever, it's the unofficial 40 from Soonerscoop.com. Now, here's the entire Soonerscoop crew, Carrie, Josh, Eddie, and Bob. All right, we are back. It is the unofficial 40 podcast from Soonerscoop.com. The entire crew is here as we get ready for... Another week of football, Kent State coming to town, likely not to be a challenge, and uh, I've stopped being a little bitch, and I've gotten out of my bed, and uh, am here, uh, hopefully not infecting anyone, everyone's keeping their distance, no COVID, don't worry. I know well, COVID's over, yeah, so I, I don't know, know. I, know. <laughs> I don't know how you I don't know why I even mentioned it. Uh, but Although I think Brent had it a little bit at the beginning of his press he conference did, on right? He did, right? He was yesterday, too, yeah. I thought he was losing his voice for a second. Probably just, you know, just need a little water. Uh, but you're right, it's over. Um, so, uh, I, I thought yesterday, I, I kind of enjoyed listening to Brett yesterday. 50 minutes really uh, good. of press yep. conference and a uh, lot of really thoughtful answers that came out of it. You guys have uh, been talking to players. I know Dylan Gabriel, you saw the video uh, on Sooner Scoop HD yesterday. And, um, I, I mean, I think kind of what I expect now this week is what we got, which is, Hey, we went out and, and played well, but we've got a lot to get better at. Yeah, and I, I liked how Brent kind of just started Tuesday off saying it, it, it was hot, yes. Offensive tempo, yes. But that doesn't – not an excuse for why the defense can't get the job done. I really appreciated the no excuses mentality. Even though he said it's not in the locker room. Just make sure that doesn't start to be created, that you start having these built-in excuses as to why you can't be elite at what – you're doing. So I really love that. That was like one of his first. It wasn't even the answer to the question because the question was about tempo offense from 20 years ago. And he just kind of geared it toward what his main message he wanted it to be throughout the course of this of uh, this week. When you put it in terms of like what they were saying, just as far as like the big plays that they didn't allow, I think it was only two plays over 20 yards. They didn't allow a run over eight yards. Obviously, the tackling was better. I, you get a better picture of kind of what Saturday was, and it was a foundation for a lot of what we had talked about on the postgame podcast, just as far as it was good to see. It's a good starting point, but you want it to get better and better each week, and you would hope that comes... You know, the, what is the cliche, like, football line, you make your most Im- improvement from, from week, week one to week, week two. two. So, I mean, we'll, we'll I Like you said, I don't know. I'm, we'll I'm, see what it is. That's the first time I've been a head coach. I've never been through week one to week two. So yeah. That was, yeah. But, and the other thing, we've talked about it so much, and, and I don't think, I mean, the thing that impresses me about Brent is he always seems to tackle things head on that, you know, maybe staffs in the past haven't thought about. Sure. Uh, which is the captain thing. Like, yeah. Uh, and building leadership like we've talked about that so much during the offseason and about it was such a problem last year because you know they had some guys that were leaders 
uh, but they weren't vocal leaders, and it it didn't seem it seemed like someone was always looking to someone else to you know pick everybody up, and that wasn't always you know that wouldn't always happen. And I, I mean, what he's doing with the captains and naming different captains every week, and he said at the end of the year, you know, we'll have our captain captains. But I just like what they're doing from a, a leadership. Uh, building perspective yeah it just it doesn't stop after one week of being named captain and then you just get to rest on that the entire season you have to show it prove it every single week and you know we'll see if the one of the guys named captain in this first week doesn't end up getting that role again or who ends up stepping up but yeah it's just a constant you know state of being hungry and i think you know that's what he's really trying to get through eric gray reggie grimes chris murray Theo Weiss, Woody, and Woody Washington are your five captains for uh, Saturday. In case you missed it, well, it, and I do appreciate kind of it, it. There's a, you know, it seems like there's a lot more transparency in terms of what's going on behind the scenes. Uh, we kind of know what's going on with Wanye. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know that Daniel Parker, you know, got kind of blown up into a big deal because of probably a tweet that he had. Um, but it it seems sniffles, sniffles. Uh, <laughs> which is I'm familiar with those. Uh, Brent's kind of familiar with those, it seems like. But, you know, it, it's it's nice to know, like, you know, that these guys are coming back. It's Nobody's really looking at it as a big deal. I mean, Brent was asked yesterday about kind of is Wanye in the doghouse when sure. he comes back. I mean, he's it, like, it, no, he's practicing. No. If nothing else, it's just good to hear, like, yes, this is what's wrong with this guy. Yeah. Or, like, just not so vague about, like, hopefully well, that continues. maybe he's going to be back, yeah. maybe he's not going to be back. It was just good to hear, flat out here. Yes, Daniel Parker's going to be back on Saturday. You're going to see him for the first time in an OU uniform. And I, you know, I it, to this point, it seems like you know everybody is healthy. Sure. Um, you know, right. I think the biggest, you know, the biggest not injury, but biggest just health kind of is, is surrounding Jalen Redmond. And and is he all the way back? And uh, is he confident? Like you know, he didn't start. And, and Brent mentioned that you know. He was he was proud of him for not getting his head you know keeping his head down and uh, getting or getting down on himself because he wasn't the starter. But yeah, I, mean, I, I appreciated Redmond saying it took him a lot longer. Yeah, like this wasn't just a slight concussion. He was out a good three weeks and he missed meetings for a week. That's a month because I mean, he because of the month. headaches and so it wasn't just like a, a deal where he had it and then two three days later he started feeling just just fine. He was out. And he's trying to round back into form as he's playing through it. And the other thing, like how refreshing that we get to talk to freshmen again. Javante <laughs> Barnes was great to talk to. Uh, his interview that you had up, uh, I thought was excellent talking about uh, DeMarco Murray and his, yep. you know, his path to Oklahoma and, and uh, just their relationship. Yeah. And I, I think that's kind of one of the like overwhelming themes of the week, isn't it, Bob? Just as yes. far as like what you walked away and talking to Marcus Major as well as just how big of a role DeMarco Murray has kind of played, not just as a coach, but a little bit as a, like a father yeah, figure, counselor, counselor f- whatever father you want figure. to call it. You know, you change your message from what you're giving to Barnes to what you're giving to Major. With Barnes, you're just hoping, you know, with every rung of the ladder, he's okay, he's, acc- he's acclimating. Then with Major, it's like, hey, it's put up or shut up time. You got to mature, stop being childlike. If you don't do it now, it's it's never going to happen. I'll help, I'll help you get there, but you got to show me that you want it too. And I think, you know, I think the one thing that Brent brings is, you know, as a head coach, like, there's so much communication, like, you feel like he's talking to us exactly like he talks to the players. And when he's talking about Gavin Freeman, he's talking about Javante Barnes, like, he's not afraid to say, look, these guys are potentially special, 
and they're going to push for more plays. He's not worried about like, well, I can't say that because then the other guys might get in the portal and get upset. Like he's just laying it out there, what he sees well, every day. That's kind of I think refreshing for not just us and the way that he's talking about it, but it has to be a little bit refreshing to hear it as a player, as a player doesn't it? Like yeah. inside the locker room, you know room, where you stand all the time. Yeah, and that, that, that kind of goes back to like the previous regime and stuff. It's, those guys aren't stupid. They're at practice every day. They see what's going on. So I, it is refreshing. I think that's probably the best way to say it. Josh, I know that, uh, like, I think one of, like, the other overwhelming themes of the week in talking to McCade Matower, uh, we got Tyler Guyton for the first time. Rame. We talked to Andrew Rame. Uh, we heard Brent Venables talk about it. We've heard Dylan Gabriel talk about it, and that's the play of the offensive line in game one. It certainly doesn't seem like they're pushing any panic buttons over there, but I know that, like, just going through the Monday morning idiot uh, there were some obvious problems in game one. How easily can those be fixed? I guess time will tell. Yeah, I mean, and you have to, <clears throat> excuse me, you've got to acknowledge that there is a considerable portion of that line that is not playing where it was expected to sure. when, when this, you know, when this all began, you know, even two weeks ago. Like, so. That when you have those kind of changes, and I talk about this all the time, and I know I hit on it a lot, but you talk, I mean, Bill Biedenboe's talked about it. Everybody that really, I guess, watches O-line play, it's so different. People think left and right is just interchangeable. It's not. It just It's like writing with your left hand or writing with your right hand. Like It's a different thing, and most people can't just switch back and forth. And that's, I, I thought Anton Harrison was solid with what he was asked to do, the late change. Really not playing a lot of right tackle. I mean, he played it in high school, but hasn't played a lot of it at Oklahoma. So I, I think that is a, I, I think it's a sign of his maturity that he kind of found a way to handle that and deal with it. But the left side of the line with with Tyler Guyton and McCabe Tower has got to be better. Like, it, I mean, it won't. They can probably get away with it this week um, with Kent State bringing a very small front to the to the, uh, I guess, to Norman. But in general, man, you're going to have to be better than that because there just was there was too many plays where it wasn't just oh you know they missed something here they were getting physically beaten up especially Matower. I mean, it, and he's a better player than that. I, I I don't I don't really understand it. I know there was some talk. Uh, Gabe mentioned thinking maybe he was hurt. I've talked to several people. He had and to I know, think that. You know, yeah. It it, it's, it was the easiest explanation because he's. Because he's the most experienced guy on that line. Yeah, that like, he's played more 29th, football than anybody. 29th consecutive start in college ball. And I mean, we can bag on the Pac. We could we could bag on the Pac-12 all we want. It's not that bad. Like no. it's not like oh that, that that kind of play was fine in the Big 12 or the Pac. Excuse me, in the Pac-12. That that wasn't okay. But at the same, like something something was off. I, I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was first game jitters. I don't know. It could be any of a million things. Like I, I don't know. But maybe just playing um, in front of a crowd, maybe because the that's one I, thing that doesn't didn't happen. Know, didn't know how to re yes. respond. <laughs> yeah. There. I mean, at the end of the day, though, I it, it like you said, Josh. I don't think it really matters. It wasn't good enough, and you know yep. that's the kind of shit that will get you beat in three weeks when they play at Kansas State. It might even get you beat in two weeks when you go up to Nebraska. So they well, they, they need to get it figured out. Absolutely. And I keep hearing, you know, like Savion Bird, like, oh, well, he, you know, is he ready? Does it matter if the other guy's not doing what he, like, that's what I, Brent if, said, right? That's what he said yesterday. If neither guy's getting it done, give me the more talented guy. Like, I'll, I'll, 
I'll deal with the mental miscues if he can line up and beat a guy on third and one when I need a first down. Like, sure. I mean, and, and again, that that's it, it, I'm not saying that, oh, well, he's more talented, so he's always going to win, that kind of – I'm just saying if the mistake, the mental mistakes and the just general, I don't know, proficiency is going to be the same, give me the guy with the room to grow. Like, Savion Bird is arguably the most talented guy on this offensive line. Like, I – if if you're going to leave a door open for him, I, I'm going to give him every chance to walk through it. Well, but we're, this isn't un, unusual. I mean, like every year, Bill Bedenboe, he takes a yep. few games to get his lineup set. But it is baffling when you consider that every one of Matower's teammates praised him. I mean, coming into the season. Like, they mm-hmm. know what offensive line play looks They know what a good player looks like. And by all accounts, they felt like he was a big piece of – of what was going to be a big piece of their success. he I saw from Chris Murray what I expected from McCade Matower. Chris Murray wasn't dominant. He wasn't overwhelming. He was really solid. He did exactly what he needed to do. He was good in pass pro. He was good. Yeah, I, I know that that's been your D. I mean, like you watch, you watch him close. And I, I, I thought he had a really, I thought he had the most consistent, probably best game of anybody on the line. And I, again, with Anton, I think you have to, you have to gauge that a little bit just because he was a little bit out of his comfort zone. But I thought he played well with what he was asked to do. Um, but I, I liked what Murray did. And Matower, like, it, it and I want to say it got better as the game went on. And maybe that's what it was is that first quarter. I was like, here we go. Like, you're going to, going to be solid at left guard. And then you watch it. And it, I, I won't say I saw it the first time through. When I went back and watched it on tape, it was like, Oh man, this is. Because OU just got out so fast, you didn't notice a lot of the warts off the top. And then as you went back and could really eye it, it was you know kind of incredible that they did what they did with some of the play. Well, you, I saw Conjol come in immediately, and I'm looking as 72 on the sidelines. Yeah, he's there. He's, yeah, he has his helmet on. He's engaged. It's like, what happened to get Conjol into the game? And then he made the mistake, and then, Kate, then McCade went back in. It just... It just seemed like it, it. Obviously, it was not perfect for Bills Bills group Saturday. And we noticed like Guyton went out, but that's because his shit a shoe problem. I think yes. we yeah, figured I think out his shoe came week. off. Yeah. And he, I was like, why is Aaron Parks running out there? <laughs> well, Tyler's running to the sideline. He's trying to get people's attention. I have to come out. My my shoe is off. I have shoe issues, and it took them a while to realize. Oh shoot, we got to get someone else in there. Just as a side note on Tyler Guyton talking to him on uh, Monday night. That was the first time that I'd really been up close to him uh, without pads on. He is built like a like a power forward. Like he is not fat at all. It, no. it, it's really kind of fascinating how his body's put together. He's he's a massive massive dude. Well, and did you? See, and it kind of puts some perspective on how much room he saw us to grow. Did you guys see the picture of the J.C. Latham guy from uh, Alabama that just looks like a I don't know like a nine volt battery with no. pads on? Like he is, I mean, he's like six five three thirty, and he's like their starting left tackle, and he's he's going to be another you know Alabama first round pick before long. But just like the difference in body type, you're like that's where you got to get to. Like yeah. you're still working to that. But I mean, and, and Guyton's Guyton's exactly like what I said about Savion because to me, if there's one guy that has the same kind of ceiling as Savion, it's Tyler Guyton. The question is. 
you know, like can OU weather the storm while he learns on the job. And may, and I wonder maybe if that's why they're a little hesitant to put Savion in because then you've got two really green guys yeah, right next sure. to each other, you know, making calls, doing all the stuff they've got to do. That that's that's a risk, man. Like I mean, if you had Chris Murray next to him, okay, maybe it's a little safer and you could make that work. But as it is, that that's a that's kind of interesting. But um, but in, you know, like I said, with, with Guyton, I would expect him to make a jump because I mean, he, he was that that was so much more meaningful football than he's played to this point. Well, and I think that the most. I guess unfortunate thing for this week is is none of that's going to be really solved until maybe Wanya Morris gets back, and then you have a better idea of maybe what this offensive line is going to be because, as you said, you have some guys playing out of position or certainly not in the position that they thought they were going to be you know, two weeks ago. Was there anybody else on uh, the, the the rewatch on the in the Monday Morning Idiot that you kind of went, hmm, okay. I, he had a better or maybe even worse game uh, than, than we maybe talked about on the postgame pod. Oh, my, my, I, I am going to pat my own back here. Jake Taylor, my guy. That dude in the fourth quarter, he cleared some people out. One of the runs, uh, it was Javante Barnes' second carry. Yeah, the seven-yard carry. Yes. Yeah. You can watch literally Jake Taylor bury the defensive lineman right next to where Javante Barnes gets tackled. Like he, he just drives the guy down the field. And that's, that's Jake's game, man. He's got some nasty to him. He finishes. I mean, like, you know, you, and, and people do this and I probably fall prey to it too. Like you hear a guy like, Oh, he's from Las Vegas. He's from a private school in Las Vegas. He's soft. Man, there ain't nothing soft about Jake Taylor. Like that dude is nasty. And, Again, if if you want to throw out the idea of sliding him over to the left because you feel good about Chris Murray at right, fine. I, I don't like f- do whatever you've got to do, whether it's just creating some pressure on Matau, what, whatever the motivation you think you need for whoever's going to be your left guard, do it. Like do do whatever it is, and if it needs to be Jake Taylor getting some snaps over there, fine, and see how that goes. But uh, again, I thought. Uh, he was the guy that I came out of that game thinking he's got to get more snaps. Like you got to find out if this guy can help you now. Outside of of you know a, a offensive line, was there one position that really stood out to you that I don't know that um, maybe surprised you a little bit? You know, just from like rewatching it, and Josh, I'd love to hear this, hear your answer because I'm sure that you watched him a lot. That linebacker group looked really good of yeah. Danny Stutzman and David Awegbu. Even when I like just from a standpoint of watching the television broadcast, it's like those guys are moving so well right now. I, I agree with you completely on Stutzman. Stut, Stutzman was much better on the review than I thought he was. Like, and I again, I know that sounds super self-serving and all that, right? You know, because we know my fandom there. But I, I thought he was really good. I, I thought he played a really clean game, really smart. Um, especially for a guy getting his first career start, kind of like what I was talking about with Taylor, his first, I mean, extended meaningful snaps where he was eating up the lion's share of it. Uh, I thought Igwebu had really good moments. He's clearly much more comfortable between the tackles than he is outside of it. Uh, had a few misses. You know, we, we talked in the post game about the one he missed out in space. Yeah. Um, I think that was on AWOT, the running back, if I remember right. Um, but, you know, there was, um, the one play that stood out to me, and with the way Kent State does things offensively, I think you're going to see them really target him. Um, UTEP basically ran a little, just a little play action right in front of him, sucked him up, and then ran a crosser back behind him. 
and hit. It was one of their third down conversions. Like you know, OU did a nice job, but it was one of the ones they got in the game, and it was it was strictly because when he bit up on the play action, he never got his depth back, and so they were able to just kind of drop it in over his head. And if he's two yards farther back, he can probably get a hand on it. You know, at least do something to interrupt Hardison's throw. So. Again, it's a little thing. It's week one. He's still learning it all. Like, I get it. It's fine. But Kent State's going to test him. I'd bet you money you'll see some crossers and stuff behind the linebackers just seeing if they can get some stuff going. And, and they love a little play action and a little uh, a little read game. That was one of the um, Bunny Boring Idiot, uh, you know, little sidebars that you put up. And if anybody wants to check that out on the Crimson Corner, I thought that was pretty good. That entire thing was really informational i would you know guys i was surprised that kent state's staying in tulsa this week that is so weird to me that they finished up in seattle and then just flew back and i i guess it's because the holiday on monday and i really don't know why it doesn't really make sense why they wouldn't have just flown back to kent ohio and then flown out here on thursday i thought that was weird though I'm sure it's money saving yeah unless it's, yeah. it's just and, tougher in the mac i guess yeah, and, and but you, is it more expensive and you to only put them all up in a hotel? Yeah, well, I mean, you only miss two days of school. Yeah. Like, you'd be doing Tuesday, Wednesday, maybe, depending on when your flights get in and sure. all that kind of stuff. Um, and then Thursday, you're back on the road. So, you know, I, I don't know. I It's a little bit of an odd move, but, I mean, Labor Day creates some interesting circumstances. As we can all attest, you know, trying to – work and do all the normal stuff from a football season while dealing with holiday weekend and all that kind of stuff. It, it just creates a lot of interesting challenges, obviously even for football staffs. And now me and Eddie can go to Union and try to try to watch practice. Yeah, we can get up there and uh, <laughs> Coach Fred maybe let, him use the, uh, let us use the office just for some use recon. Use that new press box, man. Get yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, uh-huh. Those facilities might be nicer than what they have in Ken. I don't know. Probably, There's a very real possibility. Probably comparable. Yep, I, I would get. You know, I mean, Ohio's not going to be. They're not going to be like, oh, that's that's you know, th- they get it. But um, there's a lot of places that come and are like, holy crap, they they play high school football here. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I get that in Texas all the time, like from people that are visiting and they're like, because I know, like people talk about modern day and Bosco. Modern day, the time I saw them was playing at a small JUCO. And JUCOs in California are not like JUCOs in Oklahoma and Texas. It's yeah. a little low-rent operation that maybe seats 2,500 people. You know, like I'm and, – and they go, you know, and obviously they go out and beat the brakes off of uh, – who was it Bosco that Bosco went in to beat, beat Allen? Bosco beat the shit out yeah. of Allen, yeah. Yeah, and Modern Day obviously beat the crap out of Duncanville last year. And they've got to be looking around like, you guys get this? We have all these players and you guys get – you know, 10,000 people every time you suit up on Friday? Like, that's wild. That's why everybody, I mean, that's why USC and UCLA are leaving, right? Yeah. Going to the Pac-12? Yeah. Or being a Big Ten? Big Ten. Oh, the attendance at the Rose Bowl on Saturday. That was so embarrassing. (laughs) That was nice. I I think Lincoln just wanted the challenge of the Big Ten. I think that's really what that's about. Yeah. Yeah, that's what he wanted. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. want to take just a second and mention our good friends at PrimeShrimp.com. That's P-R-I-M-E Shrimp.com. That's a very simple, a very easy concept 
you pick uh, your shrimp out, French Quarter Alfredo, garlic or butter, Louisiana shrimp oil, their signature sauce, uh, their Simply shrimp that you season, and their new lemon and cracked pepper, uh, and you just pick out your what flavors you want. They send them to you in a frozen pouch. You drop those bad boys in boiling water, and in under 10 minutes, you've got a full restaurant quality meal with no prep and no mess. And uh, for now, you, for a limited time only, uh, you can use the code SOONERSCOOP and get $20 off your first purchase from PrimeShrimp.com. That's $20 uh, off of your first purchase uh, of anything that you want on the on the PrimeShrimp.com uh, website. Uh, also, Prime Shrimp, uh, been active on the boards with the community. You guys have been, uh, we can't thank you enough for the great response that you've had uh, and how much you guys are enjoying their product. Uh, so please, go check them out, support them, PrimeShrimp.com. Uh, use that promo code SOONERSCOOP for $20 off your first order. Okay, so, you know, Kent State, not, I mean, I, I, Saw bits and pieces of that Washington game at the beginning, but it looked like they kind of actually played okay. I mean, well, they scored 21. I don't know if Washington's any good or not. I mean, it's kind of like I saw uh, Florida State players declared that they are back. Wow. But uh, let's maybe beating pump, let's LSU. Maybe pump the like, brakes on that. Does anybody remember what LSU looked like in their bowl game last year? Like, I don't know if LSU's any good at all. Like, well, the the only time LSU could move the ball is when the FSU went prevent. I mean, like that, that they just, I that, I don't know. That looked like two very mediocrely coached teams, which I'm very surprised to say about a Brian Kelly team. Whatever whatever you want to say about that dude, he can coach. Like he's got he, Butch he's a, Jones coming in to save everything. Oh oh well, that'll that should just solid solidify everything. Um, but you know the uh, what I will say. Um, that that I think you know is kind of interesting, and it's something I know others have touched on already. Is when you go back and watch that game, and I was watching it while we were doing the post game pod the other night. Washington just dinked and dunked Kent to death. I mean, just Kent wasn't going to give him anything over the top. Just played real soft. How does that work for Jeff Lebby? Like. Because we know that's not his methodology. Like, he wants to attack and be vertical. They're running nines. I mean, they, they want to average 20 yards of completion if they can, you know, that kind of deal. But there was can, there can, was one play I remember. <laughs> I felt so bad for him, but it, they, they ran a play, and I don't think it went where it was supposed to go. And I think Gabriel got pressure, but... Marvin Mims had literally run like 80 yards and the, the play was over and he had to run back. Like they didn't, he wasn't even like tapping himself on the helmet. He was just like, okay, I got to run back. But it was like, it was, it, I felt so bad for the guy, but you're right. I mean that what they do is they send somebody deep on almost every play. It goes without saying too, but you know, Jeff Levy talked about this on uh, Monday, just as far as like them practicing, spotting the ball, like turning around and yes. getting the ball. Yeah, I thought that was very intriguing. I mean, I, it makes sense why they would do it. And I, I guess it kind of goes without having well, to it's say making that sure they do Don't it. go to the outside official, right? Move it inside so I, we can get going. Yep. And it was even more interesting that he said that they have people in practice on the sidelines, like ball, 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 like trying to distract them. That's right. <laughs> and they have to still go back inside to like, give the ball to the referee. So I, you know, I, that's one of the reasons why, uh, you know, when we're out at practice during the preseason, even when they're over at the rugby fields, they bring out those referees. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, 
it's not the 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 tempo thing is not new. I mean, we've seen it going all the way back to like I want to say the first time I saw it, and I, and it was interesting that Brent was talking about it because he was talking about you know in the, and when you first started seeing this, a team would have like three plays fastball, yes, and and. You know, and, and every once in a while, they'd have one play that would change things up or whatever, and, like, how it's evolved and, and signals and, and how they can get plays in so quick now. But, like, Missouri with Chase Daniel was the first team I remember doing it, and, and it screwed Oklahoma up. Like, it really worked well. But it's been a long time since people have been doing this, and I don't know. I, I'm not saying it's gimmicky, but I don't know. I, I, sometimes I don't know how I feel about that because – it is, and Brent's not making any excuses for the defense. He's like, yeah. look, if, if if we're out there, we need to shut them down regardless of how fast you know the turnover was or whatever. But it can get you into trouble. It can get you into trouble if it's not working. I mean, yeah. it almost got him into trouble a little bit Three in the second quarter the second when second all quarter. of a sudden you look yep. up and it's 21 to 10. But at the same time, I think that there is like this ideology that you can go back and also say like the flip side of it is it puts pressure on the offense to have to go answer. If you're if if it's rolling at the the rate that you want right, it to, so right. I don't know. I it it probably you know it's it's going to be talked about obviously right now, but it won't be a major problem until you know like a lot of things. You face until a good it, team yeah. until it is. Yeah, you, you, you know? can make teams one dimensional very fast, like OU did when you're up twenty one nothing within sure. fifteen plays. I mean, I I think Oklahoma gets through you know Kansas or Kent State obviously this weekend, and it starts like a about a four month I mean a four week period where I think we really started to get an idea you know including that trip to Lincoln and then Kansas State at TCU Texas that seems like a four game stretch where you're going to look up you know coming out of Dallas and you go okay this is what this Oklahoma team is yep and I mean that's that's a week away so we'll see because Nebraska, if there's any pride left in what they've got, they're going to bring it all. 100%. I, <laughs> Next I, weekend. <laughs> like, I, I think that there is just this thought that if you're an Oklahoma fan, you need to grind into your head right now. It's kind of like playing a you know a Bedlam or a, a OU Texas in, in a way where they're going to give you everything that you got. And especially if they're playing for Scott Frost's job, we'll see what they do against Georgia Southern this week. Uh, it, it's going to be a tough game. You're going to have yes. to be disciplined. You're going to have to be tough yada, 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 about everything when you go on the road and play. At the same time, if Oklahoma's legit, don't they kind of win pretty easily in that? 100%. If they're the team that you think can go win a Big 12 and get to a playoff in that type of team... They're like you, up by... They're, they're, they basically walk out of there up by like 14. Yeah, like... Uh, Maybe Nebraska games, kicks a field goal or something late, but... It, one of those games that you keep your distance. Every time that you score, you go score. Yep. You know, like you're answering. You're, you're punch for answer. punch yep. type thing. And, you know, I, I guess it's just because it's one of those first games on the road type deal. You just wonder how everything goes. Like, there's a lot of these guys for as much as they talked about being you know, in a OU uniform for the first time and you expect them to make a jump from week one to week two, they're going to be going through those first for the first time next week when you go on the road. So I think that they can handle it. It's a little bit different than, uh, you know, somebody that would be coming in green. Like Dylan Gabriel's played a road game. I don't think that's going to be new to him. But yeah. it, they're going to be, you know, I we'll see what the crowd's like. I think obviously it's, it's going to be, be a, a pretty cr- good crowd. It's going to be a crowd that starts off uh, frothing at the mouth. Sure. But it's also going to be a crowd that is willing to just be like, oh shit, here yep. we go again. Well, and we've seen Oklahoma teams, whether it be, you know, 
I guess Baker would be a good example of going on the road. He had played a road game before. They had problems in the first half in Knoxville. And obviously those problems were fixed in the second half. You win the game in overtime. But this is maybe a little bit different in that this is like a brand new staff going on for the first time. And maybe there are some parallels there. That's a, I'm wondering, or the organization-wise, with Brent in a road game, he shouldn't have any issues, but it yeah. will be his first time. How aggressive are they going to be? Like that kind of stuff. Yep. I, it, it, it should be slightly fascinating, but you got to get through Kent State. Obviously, you want to get out of there without any injuries, all that kind of stuff. I'm saying, I mean, <laughs> I'm sure the last thing Britt would want us talking around and sitting here talking about Nebraska, but I'm looking now. Oklahoma just a three and a half point favorite right now in that game. Yeah, and I think that's come down because they were, I think it opened. It was around, four and a half. Five I and it, it was like five and seven a half. and a half at one point during the summer. Well, Nebraska got through the trap game. Yeah, that's true. And congratulations to Scott Frost. Guys, I did want to say what's, what is kind of interesting, and I, I agree with you. I mean, Dylan Gabriel shouldn't be overwhelmed by that that crowd, that environment, but he's never played anything close to that. Like, I mean, like I'm looking through old UCF schedule. I just kind of got interested to see. I mean, you're talking at Florida Atlantic, at Pitt, at Cincinnati, at Temple. Like, don't get me wrong, like, Pitt, okay, in the right scenario, that can be a that that can be a good home crowd, but not that like scenario. an engaged Nebraska. Yeah. No, it's not the same thing. Now, again, he's played enough football. I really don't think that's sure. a, a big factor, but it, it's an interesting thing to consider because I think it's something because of his experience, it's easy to take it for granted. And I, that's kind of one of those things too when you're talking about traveling on the road and doing all those things for the first time, I think that that's where you kind of rely on that leadership unit. And, you know, I, I think the one thing that Brent has said time and time again here over the course of, you know, the month and a half or two months since the season began, even going back into the beginning of like media day is they feel like they have a pretty good strong core of leadership within this thing. And you would hope that that gets you prepared and gets your mind right before you go on the road for the first time. By the way, looking at it, uh, Bet MGM had the highest line on that game. OU Nebraska at five and a half. And you would hope the players that played in that game last year un, like would understand. Like they sure. were supposed to win by 20, 30, yeah. 30 points yeah. last year. Yeah. Well, that's gonna. I mean, that's what we don't know. Is like the 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 finish of this team. Like, is, is Brent Venables going to make a difference there? Jeff Levy make a difference there? Uh, because. Yeah, they had the two three and outs, and they ran the ball like they were like, okay, well let's let's just get physical. And and I, I thought it was interesting because everybody talked about they were pretty open about you know we we kind of we realized we had two three and outs. It wasn't sure. good. Like and, and instead of you know cratering, they they just went out and extended it further. And but, it's, it's easier to do that against Utah and even the Kent States of the world than it's going to be, you know, a Nebraska or. Uh, you know, the week after the Kansas State game, I really have circled here in Norman uh, just as far as like yeah, kind of a maybe a bigger test that I think a lot of people had it circled at the beginning of the year. But I think that's the one that if you can get through next week or these next two weeks, you go, OK, what is this team when they come back home? The what thing is that, that team I mean, on the, the road thing against that, TCU and then Texas? Yeah, the thing that's driving me crazy right now is just like it's like with this Florida State thing. It's like we just don't know. Like, yeah, well, everybody TCU wants to make, looked impressive, but. That was without Chandler Morris. We don't know if Colorado's yeah. really any good. I don't think like, we know Colorado's yeah. not good. Colorado's yeah. not any good. And Dar- that was a seven seven Dar- game or something. Darius Davis might might be really good. Yeah, he was really good. <laughs> the kick return looked awesome. The guys, 
Did Did you see Adrian Martinez's line? Off. Oh the, man, eleven eleven for fifteen for fifty three yards. <laughs> That's like a. Uh, a Josh Rose, <clears throat> excuse me, like a Josh Rosen NFL line, like that five yards completion. How? And, and he was like, "Yeah, you know, we were we were doing some other thing." No, no, mm-mm. you're nope. covering there, up the fact that he's not a good quarterback with the way yeah, you're using. That, it. That's what you were doing, and, and I'm like, "Oh, so you know, maybe what we've learned through the first couple of weeks, it was Martinez and Frost. It's not one or the other. They were both a little problematic for each other." Well, I mean, we look, we know what Casey Thompson is as a quarterback. I mean, he's a guy that can make some plays, but he's not taking you to a conference championship. And yeah. I mean, that's what he looked like against Northwestern, a guy that was really good in the first half, made some adjustments, and they took some things away from him, and he wasn't making all those throws in the second half. I mean, it, the, that's the thing about Martinez. is like, yes, I understand Kansas State is the dark horse pick, but I was like, but it's Adrian Martinez. Like, and then, well, he almost brought him back against Oklahoma. Yeah, so did Tulane's quarterback, and he wasn't any good either. <laughs> so did, so did uh, the kid from Kansas that nobody remembers. Yeah. That couldn't even start in the intramural league. He looked like a star in that first half. <laughs> uh, sir, could you have to leave the press? He looked box. like he was transferring yeah, to Alabama at halftime. Well, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of quarterbacks that have been made to look really good playing Oklahoma defenses over the last And you know what? I don't years. think Hardison is a terrible quarterback for Utah. No, I, that, that throw that he went down like quarter slot, yeah. I, I right? thought that was unbelievable. That was pretty cool looking. He, he, made, he made three or four throws that were not just everybody can make those throws, and that dude has some velocity. He's from I mean, Las he can Cruces. really spin it. Uh, oh, I thought it was like Hobbs or something. But I mean, or no, I, you, right I think, no, I think it is Hobbs, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I mean, you know, either way, like kind of border town, I think, in New Mexico. So, um, but yeah, I, like I said, I, I, I Landry Jones was his personal impressed. quarterback coach. Yeah. I think you have to give like George Whitfield all the credit for that, though, don't you? Because <laughs> he took all the credit for Landry. Wow, there's well, a you know, he, well. no, he's Remember been when he's he was back. on game day. No, he's been he's back. been back on ESPN yeah. over the last couple Has months. He? Yes, yeah. Oh, I've, it tells you how much I've been watching ESPN. Well, it's okay. been like one of those shows, like during the middle of the day, they're like. God, who do we get? Call George Whitfield. See if he still has that phone number. You guys and your woke agenda watching ESPN. I think it, mm-hmm. I think it was a college yep. football live where everybody was on vacation. Yeah, it might have been. That's what that was. <laughs> it might have been. Because I think it was right before football started. Yeah. We're down to the G team. We're down to the G team. It was definitely okay. July uh, college football live. Yeah. It yeah. will it will be interesting just as far as like in terms of the Big 12 this week. I think that. A lot of more, games. Yes. Maybe even three of the more interesting non-conference games out there: Oklahoma State, Arizona State. Maybe just just to kind of see what Spencer Sanders can do again against a team that has, uh, you know, a little bit better athletes. I don't know; they might be better than Central Michigan, or how Central about, Michigan might be better than Arizona State. And then, how about this line? Uh, speaking of who we we're just talking about, Kansas State's an eight and a half point favorite over Missouri. Missouri. I don't think Missouri's any good. No, that game's in Manhattan too. Yes, but man. That that's a lot to put on a team that has some legitimate talent against Adrian Martinez. Like th- there's just the the implosion factor is always there. And I might like Kansas I mean, State just to just to do it. I don't know. I need deuce. to make that decision in the twenty four hours. Might do that though. Did Boise State win last week? No, no they, they got, got destroyed. Oh, okay. got, that was that game Oregon, that was uh, Oregon going State on. State Oregon State. State. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Oregon State's they, they actually going to be good, around. yeah. And then the yeah, other two. Oh, that, they got a good coach. 
other two games this week, obviously, uh, the happenings down in Austin with Alabama coming to town no. and uh, BYU Baylor, I think, is the best game of the week. It's pretty good. 9 15 in Provo, should be able to get to see maybe the fourth quarter. <laughs> no. 100% will be watching the second half of that. Not if post game press, press conference takes as long as it does. I would hope that we don't, I would hope that we don't have uh, too much to go over after the Kent State game. But I don't know. Can I mean, you guys believe that. That BYU is a three and a half point favorite in that one. I noticed that. Yeah, I noticed that. I I kind of like Baylor, wild. but that, maybe that's like just Vegas like knows a, something. Yeah, I don't know about shaping. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people that think that BYU is really really good. I mean, they're they're not going to go undefeated because their schedule's tough, but they have a good team. They were relatively pretty young a year ago. They played them well in Waco last last year. Yeah. By the way, if you want to lock yep. uh, Alabama, you better do it now. That line just continues to climb, climb. I'm going the other way. I ain't Texas Lock covers. it whenever you want to. I ain't Texas covering. Stop it. <laughs> no, sir. 21? No, sir. JoJo said it might get up to 30. No. Did you hear that? It may no. be this week. Like, f- like, find me the story where Texas keeps this within three touchdowns. I don't know where it because is. Because it's by a freshman quarterback. Because it's by 35 in the fourth quarter and then Bama stops playing. I mean, I could see, I could see Bama's like a, second string D line is still better than Texas's offensive line. Like I, that's the only I mean, thing that, I, could, I, 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 I hear see. you, Bob. Like, in a, yep. You really like, think it's going to take? Just be a I mean, blood even in that scenario, it'd be like a late punt. Oh God, it may be, it may be Georgia. And didn't Oregon. Texas have like, some? I, I, Texas it, it, had some offensive line injuries, right? They had, yeah. Yeah, they lost Angelo, like who their most mm-hmm. experienced guy. Um, who's I mean, not a great player, but a solid one. I mean, he's a loss for them for sure. Um, the, my, my deal is guys. Okay. We think Georgia and Alabama are pretty much net neutral, right? I mean, it, it, it'd be a point game one way or another they're, on a neutral they're, field. They're further along than a lot of people. Yes. <laughs> if, if I'm yeah. Bijan this week, I'd just pull a hamstring and practice just magically. Have an NIL are, are uh, you... showing at <laughs> 11 a.m. Can't make it. Sorry guys. Even even seeing what we saw of Georgia against Oregon, I'd still take Oregon over Texas on a neutral field. Yes, Oregon. And I don't know. So what are we talking? You're going to bet on here? Bo Nix. Yeah, that's not a good I, bet. I mean, I take Adrian Martinez like, over Bo Nix. They're very similarly disappointing. I mean, Dan Lanning could stick his running back back there and probably be fine and just just run it at Texas. Like I. Boy, you are. I, really, I don't see any way. I, the 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 only I, thing maybe in his Texas like, is not good, guys. <laughs> I guess just it's just not. one of those things that I like. I fall back on that kind of makes me fearful in college athletics when they spend you spend five months telling somebody that they're not good enough and that they can't even be on the same yeah. field, and then all of a sudden you look up. And I'm not saying that I think Texas is going to win by no means, but Eddie predicted a win. I want everybody. To well, just, if just tag if they Twitter. do win, I I want everybody to remember this. I do think <laughs> that it could be somewhat of one of those games that it stays right at about fifteen, seventeen points for the for the course of the game. Maybe Alabama turns the ball over twice. Something happens. I don't know. Now, if I had a gun to my head, I'm betting on Alabama because I feel like that's kind of the. I I I would just. I'm taking Nick Saban every time over Steve Sarkeesian. It just how how does Texas move the ball? No, and that's completely fair. Like the the and the like somebody I was talking to somebody earlier this week. It's like 
maybe you could do some gimmicky stuff. That's what Nick Saban wants you to do. Like you're playing yeah. right into his hands yes. if you try to do gimmicky stuff to move the ball against him. Okay, uh, you guys have heard us talk about it a lot. Deadsoxy.com, D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y.com. Uh, if you don't have a pair of these socks or multiple pairs of these socks, what are you doing? Uh, get to the website. Use that promo code SCOOP. You'll get 25% off your entire order. So what are you waiting for? We've told you about the no-shows. We've told you about the boardrooms. We've told you about the college collection. Uh, go check them out now. Use that promo code SCOOP. Get 25% off your entire order, and you need these socks. They're just pillowy perfection. Uh, We love them around here at Scoop. We wear them all the time. Deadsoxy.com, D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y.com, and uh, pick out a favorite pair or more today. Also, ladies, uh, looking for a gift for the the significant other, uh, Deadsoxy.com. You will not regret it. He will love those socks. You might even love them, too. Women buy them as well. So D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y, deadsoxy.com. Use that promo code SCOOP. Get 25% off your entire order. And as always, stay soxy. You know, the, I mean, the, the, the thing that I saw this weekend that not shocked me, but I was surprised to see it, was just the DJ... Ungalele is still not a very there's, good quarterback. There's the yeah. there's a situation. Like you there. want to talk about you want to talk about quarterbacks that are overhyped. He just doesn't. At this point, I've seen him enough to wonder like, does the kid just does he see a football field in there's, front of him? There's something. I mean, their offensive line's not good. Clemson. Their right tackle was awful. <laughs> he was. Clemson's he, offensive he line hasn't been good day. in years. Yeah. It will that, be that is there. Uh, if uh, you look at all their positions, they produce NFL guys everywhere except the offensive line, and I don't know why. It is interesting too, just that, and he got thrown into a thirty-four point game, so there wasn't a whole lot of pressure. But just the way that Cade Klubinek, yeah, like, just operated exactly. Like, yeah. This looks, looks different. Like, it like this normal. guy, yeah. this looks, guy, and yeah. he just kind of the way that he like carries himself on the sidelines after the touchdown was like shit. He kind of knows he's good, and I guess I have this like idea that he's just this kid from Austin, probably kind of cocky. Like, I I kind of like the flow that he had there. It's it's just bizarre. And, like, I'm kind of one of those guys, too. I was like, okay, to me, Tony Elliott is kind of like the new Chuck Long. Like, and that's not to shit on Chuck Long, but it's like he's very conventional, and I don't really see, like, genius there, but he's a play caller, and he understands offense but I don't want him as my head coach. Like, and now Tony Elliott's gone. And it's, I, I don't know. I don't, I mean, I, I didn't see anything in that game. That I was like, wow, Clemson's really going in the right direction offensively. I mean, if they, if they're playing Not a real team, public got on the field. Yeah. If they're playing a real team, they were in trouble. They Georgia would have been. Cause he, awful. I mean, <laughs> people will look at that 41 10 and think, yeah, that's about what I thought would happen there. You know, defense led Clemson, you know, they're just playing to their strength or whatever. If you watch that game, Clemson yeah. was in trouble in the third quarter. Yeah. Yeah. When they cut it to 14 10, I think in the third quarter, mm-hmm. early in the, I think it was there, there was like nine minutes left. It, right. It was half had just started. It's like, no way Clemson loses this, right? And then all of a sudden, uh, you look up and they're back up by, you know, 21 or whatever it was. And it was, okay, everybody can breathe. But at the same time, they they have some problems offensively. There's no doubt about that. I think the one game that left me the most confused as to whether either of those teams were any good 
was Notre Dame-Ohio State. Because I'm like, I thought Notre Dame was taking a step back a little bit, but then... Yeah, we say that, but like... And that's the thing I didn't understand about the 17-point line, which was kind of inflated, was because... I mean, Notre Dame was still the preseason number five team in the country. Yeah. Like, it's not like they were just terrible. I think that they, there was this idea that Ohio State, who didn't play well for, what, three quarters? Offensively, I think that people thought they were going to just go up and down the field on Notre Dame, and that just so didn't was it seem more to be that, the case. was it more that Ohio State just thought they were going to roll their helmets out there and going to play just like they finished last season? Maybe somewhere in the middle? Without, they it, didn't and, play and that well, and Notre not Dame played having okay? The receivers, you know, not having... Um, Garrett uh, Wilson. Wilson. Wilson and uh, who was it? Ol- Chris Olave. Olave He'd that they there. lost to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, and then they lose in Jigba. I mean, largely. I mean, he sure. wasn't himself clearly um, in that one. But I, guys, I mean, I, honestly, I came away thinking Notre Dame's better than I thought they were. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I guess that, that's that was the way my to look feel at it. on. Yeah. Because um, I, I mean, I. <laughs> I know what Ohio State has in skill guys, man. That that's those are dudes. Like I, I'd take their skill guys over anybody in the country, even Alabama or anybody else. Like they're they're incredible um, athletically. I, I thought their offensive line just got pushed around a little bit. I and guys, our, our old buddy Al Golden returns, and I thought he oh my god put together wow. a pretty nice plan for Notre Dame. Like they they did a nice job defensively. You know who is um, you know who is a dude though. In that game, and it just kind of proves it. Jim Knowles in the second half is mm-hmm. like I saw somebody Ooh. had put together a um, like just stats and what Oklahoma State had done first half, second half, and I think everybody kind of knew that like second half he goes in, makes adjustment, they shut yeah, everything down. Yeah. <laughs> look at look at what Ohio State did to Notre Dame in the second half. Absolutely shut that thing down. Yeah, yep. I, I mean, he's a and coach for man. everybody wanting to run with their their Alabama Texas tickets because Josh told them that. Uh, that Alabama's just going to kick him around. I I was I was I debated whether Jim Knowles could have a real impact like that early. I was like, man, I don't know. Like I, there there was part of me that thought last year was just a combination of a lot of experience and you know just a confluence of events that were not going to be able to be replicated. And that gum they they looked just night and day different than the team we'd seen the last couple of years. Um, Josh, did you get a chance to watch any Spencer Rattler last weekend? I, I mean, I, I, I didn't even look at the line, but I, I think it was Eddie that told me he had a very eight. up and down. I think he threw two picks. I he mean, did. Two picks, 227 yards through the air. I didn't, I didn't watch a single second of the game, so I'm not going to act like I did. Oh. But just from people that did, it kind of seemed like it was the same old Spencer. Rattler, like Rattler-esque. Throw, throwing some balls into triple coverage, taking chances when he shouldn't. They were running, still able to get away. Running for his life. Yeah. That seemed to be a, a big That's thing, too. That's not pretty to watch. Spencer Rattler running for his life. His, his QBR was lower, lower Oof, than it's Georgia like in State's 20s. quarterback, it's, yeah. who was 7 for 29. Oof. Yeah. It, it that, was not good. Yeah, and it, it doesn't it get any good. easier for South Carolina. Their next two weeks yeah. involve a trip to Fayetteville, and then they return home to host Georgia. Their, their schedule, they go Arkansas-Georgia the next two weeks. They get two breathers against Charlotte and South Carolina State. And then they go at Kentucky, Texas A&M and Columbia, Missouri, at Vanderbilt, at Florida, Tennessee, at Clemson. So the Aggies and the Hogs are their crossover. Yeah. The, the, the West. They, okay. I mean, it, it, they're, they're road games. 
Fayetteville, Kentucky, Nashville, whatever. And then Gainesville, Clemson. Pretty tough. So we'll see. Six and like getting to six and six might be a godsend for South Carolina this year. And I hate to say that too, because I'm cheering for him. Yeah. I know you're big big Shane Beamer guy. Sucks. But we'll see. We wish the best to uh, Spencer Rattler. He's got more cars than all of us. No. Do you see what uh, Caleb Williams was wearing? No. To the game? Mm-mm. Um, I'm trying like, to guess. Was it like all Balenciaga or something? I don't. Yeah, I guess I don't know what that is, but it it was like <laughs> Jinko. He learned it this weekend. <laughs> he wore Jinkos. Like basically, like. I don't, it, it was a very startling image, and I just thank God OU's wearing suits. We'll just put it like that. I do like the suits. They thing. look sharp. Yeah. They look sharp. I will say though, but, but I liked when they, you know, the guys kind of put Show their the best foot forward. Personality, and, yeah, yeah a like I, bit. nobody was doing anything I don't, too weird. Yeah, I don't think that like what they're wearing into the game connects to how they play. No, uh, but I think I think the suit thing looks sharp. Shout out Sooners and suits. I'm trying to find the Caleb Williams thing right now. Now you've. I am happy OU's on at the same time as that game, so I won't hate hate watch the Trojans. Hate watching is fun. Stanford. Hate watching is fun. As somebody that oh, if they're losing, you does can, a you lot can of guarantee that I will be. Sw- I'll get that up on my laptop immediately. The loudest, the loudest ovation in the in the uh, stadium oh. on Saturday outside of Brent Venables on the big screen might end up being whatever that score is, and if it's going a certain way. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, EJ Smith. Well, and would, I mean, that's the question. Would Joe C approve that? Like, would he approve you? He's got to. I might send him a message, say, hey, if USC is getting beat, you've got to let Plank use in game updates. Yeah. This is part of the Make Lindsay Street Great again movement. You know, like you've got to embrace what your fans want, and they, they love a little USC hate right now. That's right. That's okay. Hey, it's made Joe a lot of money. Donors, they've st- they've they've stepped it up this year. They really got pissed off, guys. And I I know I know a lot of our listeners don't pay attention to Stanford football. Tanner McKee is absolutely good enough to give USC some problems. Like hmm. that that kid is good. Um, he is one of those guys, kind of like the guy uh, that got drafted by the Texans a couple years ago, whose name's going to just escape me. Um, he left during the COVID year. Probably could have come back and maybe push into the first round. Davis Webb? Tanner McKee uh, was uh, – yeah, yeah, yeah. You're exactly right, uh, Davis Webb. Tanner McKee's one of those guys, signed with Stanford, went on a um, a mission trip. Uh, I think he's an LDS kid. Um, and then came back and just, like I said, had some really nice moments last year. 22-27 uh, to start the season this year. I mean, again, it's Colgate. You're not going to get crazy sure. or anything. But there are – He's got some really nice tools. He's a kid I liked a lot in high school. Played at um, Corona Centennial, a uh, big-time program, kind of the the third program right now in Southern California behind Modern Day and Bosco. Very interesting. Um, okay, outside of, uh, you know, we, we kind of hit on the college football landscape a little bit, but uh, <laughs> that's not Jinko. They're like wide-legged. I'm thinking like PFT sets the standard. Oh for no, Jinkos. not like Jinko Jinko. Okay, I misspoke. Uh, no, but outside of that, I mean, 
I don't think we talked much about like Jaden Davis's day, which was impressive, uh, but just secondary overall. Uh, I I mean there which was they didn't give any chunk chunk play yeah. so not not just too much solid. to say yeah. yeah I mean just really I mean outside of probably that little stretch where it was like um, uh, Kendall Dennis and uh, DJ Graham with Trey with Trey Morrison but I'm saying with Trey Morrison yeah. and and Kendall Dennis like they were playing zone out there and they were kind of giving up too many plays yep. like that was the only thing I was like yep. okay that doesn't look so good. But then when those guys went back in, in the second half, it looked a lot a lot cleaner. But yeah, that that was the little I mean that's weird. I mean, dicey like, part. We we've barely talked about Trey Morrison and it's like we finally get to see him and he's on spe- he's starter on special teams, but I don't know, is is it like is it a little red flaggy? Like that we that we haven't talked about him that much and then we see him and it's not all that great. I think it just means that's what you want with Billy Bowman being better. You want him to be better yeah. because he feels like he's got the tools and potential to be that much better. And, you know, Trey, that was an interference in the end zone. It's kind of a sneaky one because if you first look at it, it doesn't look like it, but that was definitely a flag. Well, the worst, I, and I, I talked about this in The Idiot, on that same play, if you go look, R. Mason Thomas gets – just massacre, like just held to. I mean, like he kills that quarterback if the if the lineman doesn't grab him, and it's the same play, and it should have just offset, but of course it didn't. So, uh, what do you think yeah. about him overall, or Mason Thomas? <laughs> that that's another dude that's got to find some more snaps. Like that, there, there's nobody they have that's anywhere near that twitchy. Like he just explodes. the The sack he shared with Grimes, he doesn't do it. Like he comes off the ball, it's pretty quick. The tackle catches up to him, and he doesn't really have an answer. But the second Hardison slides outside that tackle, it, it was like a cheetah. Like, I mean, he just attacks and, like, is on that quarterback. And Grimes is there, too. But, I mean, R. Mason Thomas closes that ground. Like, I mean, I, I don't know if there's another guy in the front seven that has that kind of closing speed. Maybe maybe Witter, just because he runs so well. But that, that's about the only guy I could think of. Should we read into anything that, like, the guys that have made – kind of waves as freshmen or the new guys that have made waves or Mason Thomas, Grayson Halton, uh, Gavin Freeman to a certain extent. I mean, these are all guys that weren't technically part of the class until mm-hmm. the new staff came in. Or is that just a complete coincidence? Cause the way coincidence. They, the way that they talk about I mean, or Mason yeah, Thomas, like, I like have Bar- really- Barnes has been what, you want him to be he sure showed sure. up in the sure. winter. That's that's a fair point. Maybe it, maybe it is just complete coincidence. I I thought that it was interesting, and it just dawned on me that all these guys technically weren't part of the the class until the new staff came. Around. And we need to see Jaden Gibson. Need to see Jaden and Nick. And sure. I mean Levy and Brent both sure. both said, said it. Like, whoops, that my that is my fault. I got to get those guys in. Well, and the other thing, you know, I. I if you want to count disappointments, I don't think it's disappointing, but you didn't really get to see the big flash from Jalil Farouk after all we've heard about him. Yeah. And, I mean, he did get targeted. I mean, it just – some were overthrows. Some were just he didn't get open. Uh, so, I mean, it's clear that Dylan Gabriel wants to go to him, but to not see him kind of have his – when you saw it from Theo Weiss, you saw it uh, – Two, two, two. Catches. But I mean, I mean still, I that's mean, what, that's why I said on the post game pod like, that like, there was I, there was a big flash play though with Theo yeah, Weeks. There was. I don't want to put it like this, but I was just kind of slightly disappointed just overall with the wide receiver unit 
But then you again, saw Drake early, but, but then, then didn't see twenty three passes. Like, yeah, how many opportunities were, did they really you, get? Were you really going to get? It's yeah. like I, we sit here and we were bitching about it, but then you go back to what Jeff Levy said after the game. It's like, oh yeah, they did have twenty one points after running fifteen plays. Like, can you be disappointed in that? Well, and then you have those two three and outs, yeah. and you're like, let's let's cool, cool it a bit on being pass happy, sure. and and we're up twenty one nothing. So let's. If, run this thing if out. If nothing else, that you you could come out of Saturday saying it's, you know, the not only was the hype real, but like I want to see more of Braden Willis. Not just catching yeah. the football, blocking. He was a madman on Saturday. And I think that, that he is going to be obviously one of the better players on the field. I've I've I I haven't seen enough. It's only snippets, but I've I've kind of got snippets of he and, and Jeremiah. They started back their pod on the prairie. Mm-hmm. Seems like Brain's a lot more serious this year. Like, like Jeremiah seems like he's you know joking around with Joey. And of course, like, Brayden, he's done. <laughs> Brayden seems like he's locked in, man. Like I, you can tell he really is trying to make the most out of this. Jeremiah year. Hall's reaction to uh, Gavin Freeman was legitimately <laughs> funny. He's like, "Who the hell is this guy? Yeah. Where did he come from?" Yeah, that was pretty good. Guys, did you go back and watch the broadcast? So. After Freeman's touchdown, they isolate on a guy who is having a hell of a time about the Gavin Freeman touchdown. And I had it on mute, and I was like, is that Jason? And I was like, I kind of look, and I'm like, no, that's not. Like, it takes me a second. But I legitimately thought Jason Freeman was literally having just a complete uh, moment in the crowd, (laughs) like just coming apart. And I was like, no, no, I I think he'd be more chill than that. There's something about him that that tells me. Per per reports, I think that he was losing it in the crowd. Okay, good, good. I don't know if that was him on television. I did think it was really cool that – like Matt Wells is the first guy over to mm-hmm. uh, congratulate him on the sidelines. It's like how perfect is that? That I'm the both one of those that believed guys, in you. Yeah. yeah, like both of those guys were supposed to be uh, kind of married in Lubbock, and they found a way to be uh, back on the same team on the same sideline in uh, in Norman. Guys, somebody asked me about that. How how is it he can be on the sidelines? You can be on the sidelines. I mean, the soul guys are on the sidelines. You just can't be. You can't have a headset on. You can't be coaching. Okay. Well, you okay. might be able to have it because I mean, there's students. Maybe you have to you designate have a, who can yeah, have on headphones bingo. before the I, game because, like, student yeah. assistants sometimes have. Oh, headphones it, and on. it was not lost okay. on me. Like, he basically followed Brent around the entire day on Saturday, and you could tell like Brent was picking his brain throughout mm-hmm. the entire pregame. They walked out from the tunnel together. Uh, it was it was kind of fascinating to see like just how much you know Brent has relied so, on so many other people to just kind of feel him out. Like, obviously, ask questions. He's one of those guys that he said it on Tuesday. He was probably one of those guys that I hated in class that, like, you know, five minutes before we were supposed to get out, he's asking questions about everything. Yeah. Because he wants to know. <laughs> Let the bell ring. <laughs> yeah, it. like, and that's a good, like, it's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. Uh, it was just kind of interesting. And, you know, somebody else brought it up on the board. There's a student assistant or a graduate assistant that stands right next to Bill during the games. And that's just another one of those, like when you have a huge support staff or a bigger support staff than they've had in the past, those are one of the benefits from it. Yeah. Um, I would, I would say this too, just about Brent. Like, I I, I don't think he took offense, but the whole, you know, get back coach and stuff like that. I mean, he was very composed during the game. I, I, I never thought for once, like, 
uh, well, he's losing it. Like, he's really losing. Like, he never was that guy. And I think we can kind of, you know, get past that now. There's not... Please. No more crazy Brent questions. So... Until... Until Nebraska. Until, well, until he does lose it <laughs> in a game. Lose. And I think it's going to happen at some point. It's just easier. I, I do think he's, like, reined in a little bit. But uh-huh. there's going to be something that pisses him off throughout the year. They're asking. Especially when you're halfway through the year and people should know things better and they still right. screw up. Oh, right. Because, yeah. like, right now he's like, yeah, I can live with some mistakes. But... Yeah. Six weeks from now, he's probably not going to be as chill. Sure. All right. Um, anything else from the game? You want to move on to some recruiting? Because I know Josh no, has got can, a big trip planned. This yeah, week. we can move on to recruiting. It's going to be actually a pretty big week just with all of us getting yep. out to games and that kind of stuff. But you're headed out to the West Coast in uh, Kansas City, Josh. Yeah. Uh, really, this is this is one I, you know, I've been looking forward to. And everybody's like, you're going to go have some fun in Seattle? No. I'm there for like 15 hours. Like there, There's no fun. I land, I go to the game, I'm hoping to do a couple interviews, and then I board a plane first thing Friday morning to head to Kansas City. Uh, but on Thursday, going to go see um, uh, Heath Ozida and Josiah Wagner. Just a fluke deal, just happened to be playing each other. Uh, it was something Heath mentioned, you know, and, and I, I had just started to go over my schedule like back in June, you know, around the time Heath committed. And he was like, we actually play the Josiah Wagner kid. Cause at that point, Wagner hadn't even committed when we were having the conversation. And I said, Oh, real? Okay. And so I kind of put it on there like tentatively, like, Oh, that'd be cool. That'd be a lot of fun. And I didn't know that it would work out, but it has. It's, it's, I'm really excited to get to see two OU commitments. My first time to ever see a game in the state of Washington. I'm kind of interested to see what that looks like. Um, I know, um, you know, there, I, I certainly won't be the only media guy there. I think, uh, Brandon Huffman of 24 seven is going to be there. So there's, there's a lot of, there, there's some interest here. I, I think both guys have a chance to move up. I mean, I, I'm very interested to see Heath in person. He's a guy I like more on tape than I think some people do, but I always want to watch him. So, uh, you've got that one. And then on Friday, going to fly to Kansas City and finally get to see my guy, PJ Adabare, one of my favorite players. Not OU commitment, not just in the country. One of my, I think he's one of the absolute best pass rushers. Guy with just tremendous upside. And I've run into him, I think, twice, but I've never seen him work out. I've never seen him practice. I've never seen him camp. I've never seen him go. So I'm really excited. It sounds like he may not be 100%, but he, he feels pretty good about where he's at. So I, I think uh, I'll get a pretty good look. And, you know, get to see him. Obviously, Edric Hill going to Alabama. And then on the other side, they're playing Platte County, uh, home of Chindavian Bradley, the Tennessee commitment. So there are, it's, I don't think it's every day you go to the Kansas City area and see three SEC, com, or, you know, I guess future SEC commits on the same field. And Eddie, where does your weekend start? I will be headed to Denton on Thursday to see Jackson Arnold, Peyton Bowen. Obviously, we're going to hope to catch up with uh, Peyton after the game. Definitely going to be talking to Jackson after the game. They play Lancaster. And then uh, both of us will be checking out Jacoby Johnson and Grady Adamson on Friday night back there in Oklahoma. Yeah, I mean... What Johnson starts the season with a three touchdown performance. He also has cars stolen. And his car what the hell? What the stolen. hell? <laughs> Talk about an up and down night. Yeah, <laughs> I thought we were having problems around here. Nobody's stolen one of our cars. Well, yet. I mean, let pump the brakes. Let's <laughs> yeah. All right, pause the iPad or pause the pod. Go go check. Are they all here? 
and we'll 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 see if Grady can test Johnson, and we'll see. Sure. If Jacoby will be put in that position. I feel there's we see him as a corner. He's going to be a corner, but Mustang uses him a lot on offense. So we'll see if he actually can play both both ways the in, the entire game. Josh, I want to go back with the fact that Geyer's playing Thursday. OU OU's a night game Saturday, and any chance those those boys uh, come come back to Norman? I I have yet to put this up on the board now that we're having this conversation. <laughs> I can confirm that Jackson Arnold will be there. I can confirm that Eli Bowen will be there. I cannot confirm Peyton Bowen will be there, but I'm just going to play the odds here and guess that those two are not coming up without the um, the kind of the third member the of the trio. Here. Yeah, yeah. So I, I I feel pretty good that OU is going to be hosting. Um, what what is their top safety target in Peyton Bowen? And I, I want to be really clear, and I've mentioned this a few times on the board. OU likes Eli Bowen a whole lot. Don't don't take this as like he's a throw in. Like that that they think he's one of the best corners in the country from everything I've gathered. So um, he will be a guy that even if they don't get Peyton, they will push hard for Eli. They will they absolutely want him. Uh, Nick uh, Nick Harris was at a game last weekend. Mentioned. Maybe OU Ryan Yates starting to drift off in separate directions there. That's that's what it seems like at this point. Ryan, um, you know, it's always been a little back and forth kind of. Um, you know, I, I think I think we'll see what happens. I, I, I think right now that I like. I don't, don't get me wrong. Like Ryan saying that. I know Ryan. You know that that's where he's at right now. It's recruiting. Stuff can change. It wouldn't shock me if it does. But I know my impression was that LSU was given a pretty hard sell of, like, if you're in, you're in. If you're not, you know, kind of go on kind of thing. So I I think right now he's riding, and we'll see what happens. Like, I, I'm not closing that door completely, but I would say for right now that, it, I mean, it it is privately what it appears to be publicly. And then – 2.30, it's tough to get a lot of top-tier kids in. 6 o'clock helps a little bit. Maybe a better visitors list coming up? It should be. I mean, you know, gosh, you just talk about the few guys we've mentioned, and that's that's obviously a really nice start. Um, but, I, you know, I do think, um, you know, you look at uh, there's probably going to be a little better even like Commitments like Eric McCarty's going to be there. Uh, I expect Jacoby Johnson to be there, and obviously you guys can verify that on Friday. But there are there should be a good list of guys. Uh, Jordan Renaud, obviously the official visitor. That's that's the big one. Um, and I think I don't think it's coincidence that there are going to be a lot of committed guys there. And interestingly enough, several party at the Palace guys. Um, you know that are all going to be there back to when it. In my eyes, I, it was the last time I felt really strongly that OU was going to get Jordan Renaud. I still, I still think they're there. If you made me bet right now, I'd bet on Alabama. But with OU getting this last shot, um, you know, hit with so close to his decision date, I, I mean, like I said, there, it, it's it's going to be tight. It's going to be one of the more interesting ones to follow because usually by this time. You know, whether I can say it publicly, I feel like you guys, I've related to you, like this is going to go this way or that way. Jordan Renaud, it, it really is. It, it's up in the air. We'll see where it goes. But this visit weekend, like I said, I think it's going to be a lot of focus on him. And I think that's, 
We've talked about it that. Should be. That's what yes. they want this to be. Yeah, that's what they want their visit weekends to be. Not 12 guys where they're, you know, Brent Venables is pulled in 100 directions. He can really just sit, just follow Jordan Renaud around all weekend. And when he's doing it, he'll probably be with Peyton Bowen, and he'll probably be with Jacoby Johnson, Eric McCarty. So it all kind of works out. But there's no question. OU is going to give him the full, you know, the, the red carpet treatment this weekend. Just as far as stuff that you put up in Oklahoma today, there was some good news on Peyton Pierce, the Rivals 100 linebacker. Mm-hmm. I, you know, completely up to you on how much you want to share here on the pod, but sure. it does seem uh, like positive news for Oklahoma that they're getting him on campus September 24th uh, for Kansas State weekend. Yeah, I mean, and that's kind of the weekend I do expect maybe maybe something a little better as far as the visit list, uh, you know, to kind of pop up. I could just because it's a little more of a premier game. I think oh you know I mean like guys would you you know we talked about it a little bit in the post game pod but would you really want a bunch of recruits to come to that atmosphere last week that was kind of yeah. sleepy I mean you know like crowd was out of there by half you know first quarter, first quarter was quarter. pretty electric and then, I, yeah. listen we talked about this on the post game pod yeah. it was hot yes. AF I understand everybody's uh, you know early resignation if you will. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, I will say, though, Eddie, I mean, if we're going to give people and say, hey, the game day atmosphere and Lindsay's got to be better, man, it's hot in Mississippi, too. Like, it's hot in Alabama. Yeah, they like, could have gone back out to it, Lindsay Street to party I, the entire time. You know, and that's I, that. That's okay. I'm just saying, if if everything's got to be to a certain level, the fans are going to have to find a way to weather. I mean, it's, it's hot in Oklahoma in September. It just is. Like, there's nothing to do about it. I um, I, and I get it. Like, I'm not saying I, I don't understand where they're coming from, but, and I guess maybe if it's Georgia there instead of, you know, instead of, uh, UTEP, it's a, it's more people are going to hang around. But, um, like I said, it's just one of those things. Like, there, there, there's got to be some sort of solution to where you don't have it that abysmal in the second half. Um, Sure. But anyway, it's a whole other. Sorry, that was a whole different no, I, uh, story. But yeah, I mean, uh, I think Kansas State's when you're really going to start to see the visit weekend. Now it do, it's you know to to this point we don't know the kickoff time for that one. Sure, so Correct. that's going to play a lot of a role. Unfortunately, in that. I think that that big, might have big noon kickoff big noon written kickoff. all over it. <laughs> you're not wrong. I mean, 11 a.m. I mean, OU Kansas State. Both teams should be undefeated. I yeah. It Adrian kinda, Martinez, Deuce Vaughn. Yeah, the whole, it, it I mean, kind of seems like that stories. has big noon kickoff written all over it. Maybe we can we gotta, get lucky. We got to see what's in the Big Ten that week. I don't know what's yep. in the Big Ten that week. Sure. So, uh, 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 one other recruiting big picture, uh, I guess, question: The more you get out to high school games, have you had any of the conversations? Just as far as like people coming up to you and just being almost surprised at what Oklahoma is doing and is continuing to do on the recruiting trail? Oh, 100%. I mean, I, I think it depends on how you want to look at it. I guess I should I should pull back just a little bit. If you mean, like, people that I run into that are, you know, either high school coaches or yes, just around that's, recruiting that's what or whatever, I mean. yes, a- absolutely. Now, if you talk to people who are in gate, like, you know, they have a player that's being recruited by OU, there's no surprise. Like, that they... They're like these guys come in. They're clear in their message. They have they they know who they're talking to every sure. time they talk. You know, like th- this is going to be this is who we like. This is this guy. You know, like it's very direct. Um, you know, like we we've, we've talked about on the pod forever and ever. But 
the people from the outside that haven't had that engagement yet, haven't had a chance to be around these guys because either they don't usually have recruits or they don't have them this year or whatever it is, there is absolutely a lot of wow. Like this is this is pretty impressive. It it's you know guys and I know I've talked to and you guys know how it is. You go to high school games, you run into reporters from all sorts of beats, and um, you know I've run into people from the A and M beat, from the UT beat, and it's absolutely like this is crazy. Like they they just they they are kind of in disbelief. Pegs are being and, dropped. Oh yeah. Oh, I mean, you know that that's there. There's some reporters that that's the only way anybody ever gets a win in recruiting, but you know, uh, but I mean, in, in those two cases, that allegation doesn't get thrown around a lot because you know those in glass houses kind of thing. So, um, but no, it is. Uh, it definitely has. It's impressed people and guys. I mean, I, I it'd be easy to be to dunk on these people. It surprises me what OU's doing. Like, I, I'm not going to act like I foresaw this. I thought they'd finish seven or eight. And I, and I, people were telling me in June I was being crazy to think that was possible. And now they're like, you know, where do you see it, Josh? I'm like, five. Maybe, maybe I think five is probably where I'd pick them right now. And they're like, well, I understand you've got to be modest. Gee, it's top five. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's not that modest. So, uh, it's just, They've changed the whole point of view, and it, it's really impressive. All right. Um, Kent State coming uh, up this week. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Josh. No, I did want to say, just because we were having the conversation, Wisconsin is at Ohio State on September 24th. Mm. So that, maybe that'll, that'll probably end up being a night game. I mean, it, it that's probably be. your night game. A, the ABC. ABC. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. know. Is it at Ohio State? Yeah, it's at Ohio State. Oh yeah, that'll be a night game. You don't. It just don't seems think... like they always play. They always get the night game. Yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. Uh, I don't know what it that's, is. That's, I that's no the one contender. Back that up. That's the one team that I could see. Ooh, and that's the same week. I mean, totally unrelated to what we're talking about. But USC is at Oregon State. I, that game is scarier than people think it is. Oregon State's a good team. That'll be your like nine o'clock ESPN, won't it? Uh-huh. That's Arkansas at A&M. That's a pretty good game weekend as I'm kind of Very looking nice. around at the at the schedule there. So there's some good ones. Sorry. Go ahead. I'm, I'm interrupting anything reasonable. No, I had really nothing all that interesting. No, um, I think we're good. It's just like it's, it, it's kind of like it doesn't suck, obviously, because football season's here. But it just kind of sucks in the terms of like I just don't think that we learned it's a whole hell two, of a lot two last weeks week. in a row. It's like you don't want to, though. Yes. You don't want to learn a whole lot. Like if we were coming into the postgame pod on Saturday night, like. Well, offensive line looked terrible again. That's a problem. I yep. do have a. I do have one question. I saw something pop up on my feed. Was it not? Did Pat McAfee kind of make people uncomfortable at game day the first time around? Well, he jumped into the he river into down the in river. Waco. Right. I, I mean, I like Pat. I I kind of think that it's a little bit of a shtick, but I it's funny. I mean, I think he I. I think he's entertaining, I guess, to a certain extent. But I, like my big takeaway from him joining game day is I it's been a long time since I woke up and just watched, watched game it. day. Instead of it, just being a, on. It right. hasn't been a must-see. Yeah. Right. Being like, on in the background, doing other things. A lot of that has to do with 11 a.m. games and OU. Yeah. Like already being at the stadium and right. that kind of stuff. But the other half of it is like when I am home, it's like I'm laying on the couch or I'm getting ready to jump in the shower to come down to Norman or do whatever. You just have it on. Yep. I just it makes me feel comfortable having it on. 
Yeah, like if I if it's a two thirty game and we're on the road in a hotel or something, like I'll have it on. Like, but I'll be honest. I mean, if I watch it all the time, and I see people like, oh, you can't get rid of Lee Corso. He's a staple. Yeah, you can. You can get you can get rid of someone that is past their prime, like way past their prime. Uh, it's sad. It's sad with their. And doing it's been that, that way for years. I yes. mean, and he's gotten better since he's had that last stroke, but it's still terrible. But you have all these young people. It's like, oh, I'm. That's all I know is Lee Corso. Yeah, you know a bad version of Lee Corso. Like we can at least remember when he was. You know, sharp. Yeah, when he was worth having on there. It is weird that, like, I understand them not wanting to push him out, but there is a point where I would think that, like, as cutthroat as ESPN's been with some of the other people, I don't know. It just it Bring is kind of weird. Yeah, why is it? Why is it he gets that yep. treatment when other people don't get that? I don't know. Is it because they're afraid he's going to die as soon as they fire him? Because I mean he that happens with old people. I mean they could. I, I don't know. It Bring is them in weird, for though. the guest picker and the yeah. mascot head, and all right, we're good. But he's going to be doing it from his home, though. He's not even traveling anymore that much. See, I didn't even realize that. Is he not? No, they do. They he's basically. I knew just like on during feed. COVID, he was during during a uh, like on. A I think they stayed whatever, with. I, I don't. I I don't remember watching it last week. Yeah, well, that's sad. But I mean, I I mean, clearly bringing McAfee in signals something. Sure. Yep. That's happening with Corso. I think I like his show when he can be himself more than probably what the uh, presentation is going to be. I'll be hey, SmackDown is Friday nights and live, so I'll be interested how quickly he can make that turnaround. And that's all over the country. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, what is? I was watching uh, Curios last night because. uh, Fowler won't be on the Saturday night game this week because oh, he's going to be at the yeah. US, US Open. Open. Yeah, really? Women's final, men's final Sunday. Yep. Fowler, Fowler had my dream job. I hate it. He gets to do college football and tennis. College. He gets to, yes. <laughs> Which, that's, you're the only one that <laughs> says that. that. Yeah. He gets to do everything I love. You're the only one that says that, too. <laughs> I've gotten into tennis. Bob's gotten me into tennis over the last couple of weeks just watching the US. It's, it's nice because it's been on at 9 o'clock. During the day. Yeah, it's it's not, on during the day. I feel Early, like it's on, it's on all the time. Late. It is. It, it just is. <laughs> I've always been in tennis. You've worked with me I'm for just... over a decade, and you've never watched soccer, soccer. for a damn minute, Eddie. <laughs> uh, There's a after nine eleven, I stopped supporting <laughs> terrorist organizations. Oh no! <laughs> mm. I don't know what you Not mean. Not to I mean, say but... that I supported them before, but. <laughs> Look where they're playing the World Cup. You know, I mean, it's totally yeah, on the up. Right. Totally on the up. That that was not a weird scenario. We might be, I, I'll get into some World Cup. That's the one thing I will get into. Oh, regardless People, of the terrorism. Right. I'll send out some pictures. It is the one time the of terrorists. year. We should be the terrorists when it comes to soccer. <laughs> uh, when I wear, uh, I, I wear my American flag bandana and drink domestic beer. I am a... I am a World Cup USMNT guy all day, every day. It's it's not a good look for me, but I, you I get rock the girls it without to, shame. You get the girls to do the chant. Oh, I mean, if 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 I can, I will. Uh, we were. It's funny. We were walking around the zoo last Saturday morning. The girls were wanting to go, and there's like a there's, first Saturday of each month. You can go early to the Houston Zoo, and you know, go walk around. So, and Tiffany was rocking her uh, unofficial forty hat. So, you know, we were getting some uh, some free advertising out of the deal, but. The um, are you charging? There was a there, there's a guy that walks in in front of us, and he's got like an OU backpack on, like it's big. And Lainey looks at me, and she goes, "Daddy, it's it's OU." And I was like, "That's right." And she goes, and like as soft as she could do it, she was like, "Boomer." 
And like she was hoping the guy was going to hear. And I was like, baby, he didn't hear you. So it, it was, it, yeah, it was pretty hilarious. I, I like, it's just one of those things where I, like one game a year, Tiffany works with it. Like OU Texas, Tiffany is a train wreck. It's the one time a year she really watches the game and she gets way too invested and she's just wrapped up in it. And she's like teaching the girls boomer sooner, and then like 364 days later, they have to learn it all over again. So it's uh, it's a whole thing. Was there any lasting uh, comments just as far as the expansion of the college football playoff? I think everybody was pretty surprised when that news came out on Friday that they actually went all the way in and did it. I just I, I don't think that it's going to affect people's enjoyment of the regular season. It shouldn't. Nope. I don't mm-hmm. know why. It I, won't. Stupid. I feel like that's just a, almost a little bit of a scapegoat to say that I'm unhappy with what they've done. Look, college football is not college basketball. It's a universally loved sport. College basketball is a little niche. Niche, whatever how you want to say. Did you see the uh, numbers that came out just yes. moments ago? Jeez, for, uh, the ESPN. Notre Dame. And viewing 10.2 million 10. for Notre Dame, Ohio State. You think people aren't going to watch this shit? Come on. Well, if anything, it makes more people be interested me. because there's so many other branches sure. that are coming out that's like, okay, well, now I got to see if like Oregon State beats, you know, USC, you know, or whatever. It's like, it just adds so much more to it in my mind. Keeps the group, the group of five people motivated. LSU, Florida State, 7.55 million on, the, uh, that was a Sunday night Sunday game. Night. Oregon, Georgia got 6.2 million. Colorado State, Michigan <laughs> on ABC got 3.9 million. The West V Pitt game got 3.2 on a Thursday night. Utah, Florida got 3 million. I mean, people. People watch college football in this country. There's no doubt about that. I I'd never I just it, I to me there are certain people and I think because college football and some of it is based on where its its real center of gravity is are so afraid of change. They're so afraid of anything that's different or new and they're like they hated the the bowl system. Okay, well now we hate the BCS system. Well now we hate the play like you just you're going to hate whatever change it is. Like just accept that you're not going to like any direction it's going to change. The the fact that 12 teams are going to now have an opportunity to play for it, how would that not be more interesting? Like how would that not engage more fans? Because it's not just the 12. Like now there's four teams. Well, there's about 7 or 8 that really have a chance with 12 you could be talking about 20 teams yep. going into November that are still involved, that are still have a shot to get into the thing. Well, here's the thing, though, Josh. I don't believe what you just said is accurate because there's really two teams every year. Like, like, Look, some years you can make an argument that the fifth team should have been in, but that rarely happens. Like, when they, Oh, I when, see when they, uh-huh. when they pick four teams... And oh, you'd been the fourth, uh, the fourth seed. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's like, yeah, fourth, but it's like, knew. it's like, yeah. Who? I mean, who else are you gonna take? That when it's when it's been four, there's rarely been an outcry about. Oh, it should have been this team. They got screwed. Nobody really thinks he might because they know Alabama has always been the best team, or Georgia has been the best team, or it was Clemson and Alabama, or it was Alabama and Ohio State. Like everybody knows that there's really just two teams that need to play each other. Because everyone's favorite OU recruiting reporter was telling them they shouldn't even have gone anyway. You should have wished for fifth, not fourth. Go go win the Sugar Bowl, damn it. Everyone's, really? <laughs> everyone's. Everyone's favorite. Well, I'm so likable. I have ourselves. That, yeah. No, yeah. I, I, I think it's good for college football. I, and I, I don't too. see, I don't I see any it. negatives. I think the on-campus stuff could be oh. awesome. 
can you imagine like the year when Alabama doesn't win the SEC and has to go to like Columbus in December and play it? That's gonna be amazing to watch. That that'll just be incredible television. Like, and it will the atmosphere will be insane. I mean, guys, we're you're talking about what ten for that Ohio State Notre Dame game? That might push into the high teens. Like, I mean, that's going to be a massive viewing. It would be awesome, and just having something in Norman would be awesome as well. I mean, yeah, unbelievable. Still, bitch. Why didn't they get a top four? I oh yeah, care. I wouldn't Definitely. care. I mean, yeah, but I wouldn't care because no, it'd be fun. Having it so would be awesome. That, is that what they're going to do? Are they going to split all the like? So it's not like. Oh, you're one of the top four. You get a buy, but you don't get all this revenue and all this other that's stuff. That's going like, to be the question. Spl- yeah, that's that going to be the real question. That? Oh, I think they split it all evenly. Okay. That two point, like I saw a story this morning. They they think that the the new contract will be like two point two billion. Mm-hmm. So they'll just split that all, just like the basketball tournament. It's amazing. No, I I just mean like on campus revenue, right? Like oh, ticket yeah. sales. You're saying if you're top four, you lose the yeah the chance. You lose a game, which makes no, no sense when you think about it. Yeah, I, but at the same time, I guess you'd probably rather want that than like you're in a better position to win a national championship. Maybe they say, well, you know, winning a national title, that money that you're going to get at the end of that. Yeah, maybe. Cause make like, it back. I mean, you're fan. talking about the possibility of playing a 17 game schedule if you don't get the bye. If you're if you're playing in a conference that has a championship game, sure, and then you're you're not one of the teams with a bye, you're going to play 17 games to win a national championship. Love it. More college football, the better. All right. Uh, that's going to do it. Uh, we will be back again uh, once again next week after the Kent State game. We get ready for Nebraska. Uh, dual pods coming soon. Uh, I would say within two weeks, we'll start moving to the uh, two-pod two format. I don't know if that's clapping of the dog or for that, two pods. I think that's just happiness. Two pods. That's enthusiasm. I'm excited. He's excited because he's not doing both of them. Uh, so anyway uh, we will be back again next week thanks again to uh, primeshrimp.com and Dead Soxy Uh, and we'll see you guys back here again next week for another edition of the unofficial 40 podcast from Soonerscoop.com